What's up, fight fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, February 8th, 2021. This week's episode, Usman looks to avoid the burns. We'll be recapping everything UFC Vegas 18, what's next for Alexander Volkov, Corey Sanhagen, and the rest. We'll look, on, we'll look back on Paige Van Sant's bare-knuckle debut. We'll talk about what's going on in the latest in the lightweight division. And, of course, the retirement fight between Diego Sanchez and Cowboy Cerrone. We will close it out, as you can imagine, with UFC 258. Who do we think's going to win? Usman, Burns, Barber, Grosso. It's all coming up right now. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I am here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Oh boy, BKFC. I know it's not the first thing we're going to talk about, but I'll just say up front, I'm, uh, I'm very excited to get into this, but uh, <laughs> we, can, uh, we can get rolling with the, other, the actual MMA stuff that went down uh, this past weekend. Oh, I have thoughts there too, don't worry. But um, <laughs> yeah, look, a packed show. Let's get right into it with the main event. Alexander Volkov, you know, uh, I love his game, and I've said that. I thought stylistically I was going to see a lot more sense of urgency. Just I, I was expecting a very different Alistair Overeem. When we didn't get it, my goodness, I was so impressed with Volkov. I just thought, I mean, they don't talk about it enough, but his performance, the way he pierced the guard with some of those punches in the second round, I was like... You are doing this to a former K1 kickboxing champion, and you are lighting him up. I was so impressed. I thought that was about, short of a Francis Ngannou, that's about as good as you could look against Alistair Overeem, in my opinion. I thought it was, I was blown away. I thought he was well composed. I thought he executed a great game plan, put the pressure on him, keep him at the end of his long reach. And Alexander Volkov just needed under 10 minutes to get the job done. Just very impressive. What are your thoughts? I wasn't so blown away, but I was pleased. This sounds kind of sick, but I was pleased that it didn't go five rounds and was what I feared it would be, which was kind of a slow back and forth. So I was glad that there was a finish. Aren't you the uh, one that likes the violence? Yes, I love the violence. <laughs> yeah, I was, that's what I'm saying. I'm glad. It did. Well, but the, okay, there's there's something different between like a Whaley, Joanna five rounds of back and forth versus what we sometimes get in the heavyweight division when it's like five rounds of, uh, are you going to hit me or am I going to hit you? Okay. In any case, Alistair Overeem, his performance, this didn't seem that far off from what I'd seen before. Even with against Jarzinho Rosenstrike, he was winning that fight up and, you know, up until the very last second when he got his lip exploded, but it was, you know, not, it's not the same. He's, he's experienced. He's a veteran. He knows that this is his last chance to climb up to the title shot, and so he's being very patient, taking his time, picking his shots. Great. It doesn't make for the most exciting fights, but Volkov was having none of that. So even though Volkov finished him, and you, you point out the, the, the assets there the, um, that he used to, to shut down Overeem and just, you know, essentially, like, just turn the lights off, um, I still wasn't, like, so impressed. I was thinking, my final thought after this fight was him in there with Stipe, him in there with Nganu, or John Jones, should he ever grace the heavyweight division with his presence? I don't think he stands much of a chance. So as as well as he finished over him, I don't think he's quite, quite there yet. But, you know, um, the three guys I just mentioned are going to fight each other. At least two of them will fight each other eventually and uh or uh yeah we'll fight each other and you know john jones maybe gets in there too and so eventually volkov will get his turn but i don't know he's not quite at that next level yet for me i think that um the biggest thing is that wrestling i mean you can't just you know the curtis blades fight is so recent you can't just see that and be like yeah this guy he you know he can turn it around today if you were to get back in there with him or if John Jones is on like uh, you know a lot of people expect him to be when he finally moves up Uh, to me I think that that's going to be the biggest just hole he has to address 
Um, I do think that he can stand with the best of them. I think that people forget what he did to Greg Hardy, what he did to Derek Lewis for, you know, 14 minutes, 50 seconds. Um, you know, he, he's really in the UFC, mind you. He's got other losses, but in the UFC, outside of Derek Lewis and Blades, he's given very little to criticize. And now, yes, mind you, a lot of that is matchups. A lot of people like to bang with him, and that's where he's at his best. But, um... I do think that's the biggest thing is how does he deal with the wrestling because you know Stipe, Jones, Blades, Lewis probably, they're gonna realize like, you know what, the last thing I'm gonna do is try to stay in the middle and fight at this giant's long range. So I think that's the biggest thing is that, look, we're probably not gonna see it immediately, but how much work is he putting in outside of competition And, you know, like, look, if he's working on his grappling all the time, I do believe in his ability to close that gap a little bit. But he has some tough wrestlers and very well-rounded fighters ahead of him. That's that's honest. But I also believe, look, you know, what he did to Overeem, I think he could do that to a lot of those guys in that top three, top five, any given night. And I will give him that credit there. Um, What's next for Volkov? I will say this is that I I see the Rosenstrike Cyril Gaon winner, but to try to cut it in as few words as possible, we're going to get a winner out of Stipe Nganu, unless there's a draw, in which case I don't really know what to say. I may skip that show. You get what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. So Stipe versus Nganu, we'll get someone out of that. John Jones is next. If Curtis Blades beats Derek Lewis, well, what are you te- you're telling me he's going to wait a year? I mean, Blades kind of shot his shot. I heard him say, or at least seen the headline, he's open to a Rosenstrike fight after Derek Lewis. I think that's great. I think that that is one of the few guys that makes sense for Blades to fight if he's going to be waiting for both Nganu and Jones to take their crack at the heavyweight title. So when I look at that for Alexander Volkov, the only thing I can think is, like, he wants a Derek Lewis to win. He you know, needs something to kind of happen because really he's in that no man's land. The people ahead of him have bigger fish to fry. And rightfully so, he's going to have to get somebody who would rather stay active than wait for a shot that very likely they'll have proven they've earned. So I think that that's the thing is that um, unless he can sneak into the Rosenstrike fight and Curtis Blades decides he wants to wait, I really don't know how you can get a good matchup for him unless, you know, somebody is willing to take the chance and give it to him and just to stay active. Yeah, that's a bummer position to be in. You know, you have a great win over a legend and you kind of would think, hey, I'm I'm close to a title shot, but it's just not the case right now in that heavyweight division. Uh, so yeah, who's going to want to take a chance on him? I don't know. He might end up just sitting there twiddling his thumbs or he's going to have to be willing to be, uh, on standby. Like he should maybe just raise his hand now and say like, Hey, any, anytime you need me for any of these heavyweight fights, I'll be there. I mean, I don't think he suffered much damage and I think that's the only way you're going to, you're going to move into that title shot position faster. Cause if you just wait for everyone else to you know, um, get themselves sorted out. It's going to be, it's going to be a while. And yeah, who's going to volunteer to, to fight that guy, especially in the heavyweight division. Like you could be the best and you just get caught and that's it. Then you got to go back to the line. So tricky position for Mr. Volkov, but, um, but good performance. And, and he's, uh, he's gotta be the tallest right now. I mean, I don't know if Stefan Struve is still fighting heavyweight or still fighting, but kind of, yeah, I think he is still in there. I, I think he's debating retirement is Struve because he lost a tie to Ivasa last year. But, um, right. yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, we're going to find out a lot in three weeks. And I think that we'll have a more concrete idea of what people want. Um, uh, They will make a call on the John Jones thing sooner rather than later. I fully expect something to happen around the Nganu fight about a month and a half, you know, the steep Nganu fight about a month yeah. and a half from now. So Volkov will have something to, he'll have a decision to make and other people will be around him 
in the division that is like, look, we're going to wait or we're going to fight. And his options will be more, he'll have a better idea of what his options are in about three weeks, I think. So, you know, but look, uh, you can't be sad. That was a great win. That was probably yeah. his best performance of the UFC. I loved it. I thought he just, you don't, not many people do that to Overeem, plain and simple. Um, moving on, uh, this one, uh, I'm going to say it. He set the bar high. Corey Sanhagen, under 40 seconds, just starches Frankie Edgar. Um, you know what? Uh, Frankie was doing his thing uh, exactly as we expected. It looked like we expected. Corey is obviously so tall. But really, the speed, the timing, kind of like Joaquin Buckley, the sense of awareness of the distance and the timing. I was just blown away. Like, look. We know how hard Frank Yeager is to put away. I will admit, I wonder if a fully hydrated 145 or 155 Frankie would have been able to take that. I don't know. I think that one puts a lot of guys down, but I also want to give credit. How many times have we seen Frankie Edgar just eat a bomb and just keep on coming and have the answer for people? It was not to be. Corey Sanhagen with the walk-off KO of 2021. Um, you know what? Just hats off. There's none more I could say. Uh, he is up there for any big fight he wants, in my opinion. Yeah, bro. That was, like, um, completely unexpected. That finish at that, like, 30 seconds in. Um, he's just got the perfect body for 135. 5'11". Doesn't seem to suffer with the weight cut. Like, I don't know if there's talk of him eventually moving up to 145, but he looks healthy at that size right now. Um, the flow, you know, the IQ, the calmness, the it's just, you know, so much of that is the mind and, and that quick performance. Just aware, knowing his opponent so well and being able to, to channel to generate all the power into one shot you know it's like some anderson silva stuff you think about like a front kick or or body shot like it's just a knee to the body i should say from silva uh that was supremely impressive frankie edgar went out cold i'll tell you this i wanted to rewatch it before our podcast so i my son was playing on the carpet with his toys i sat on the sofa i put it on and I didn't realize it that he turned around to look at the TV. And then when it was over, I looked at him sort of like as, a, you know, talking to a friend, but it was talking to my son. And I was just like, oh, man, Joe, did you see that? And he turned around. He looked at me and his eyes were big and he just went, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, that's exactly, that's exactly how I felt. I mean. <laughs> and, and, and that's the moment he fell in love with the fight game. I think so, it's man. Perfect. I, mean, I can see it in his eyes. <laughs> you know, his first love, mom's milk, dad's smile, yep. MMA. He, you did MMA, it. MMA, baby. He's in. So, you know, it was uh, it was pretty exciting. But, yeah, I mean, the guy deserves a belt. He, he deserves a belt right then and there. He deserved a belt. But, um, you know, what's next for, for Corey Sanhagen? Um, uh, I don't know because when is, when is the um, – the Aljamain uh, Piotr Jan fight coming up, I think uh, March six, so yeah, about a month. So uh, this guy is too special. It's like it's kind of he's kind of in a tough position too, right? He's too special. You don't want to sit on want him to sit on ice. He's obviously fresh as a daisy. Didn't get touched. Thirty seconds in, the fight's over. Um, so. Will he be waiting for whoever wins that fight to be ready to fight again? Or is he going to just go fight whoever else is available? Um, I don't know, man. That's a tough situation for him. He probably could use a break if he, if you know, uh, even though your fights are quick, your training camps are still long. So there's probably still a break there that he could use. But, man, wouldn't you want to see him right back into it? I would. I, I'm 100% right there with you. And that's what I don't like. I feel like um, Pewter Jan, I mean, uh, I'll give him credit. Some clearly happened in December, so it's hard to give him a quick turn turnaround after he won the belt. But I would hope that if Pewter wins, they could sort it out because I'd want to see him fight uh, Corey for sure. Aljamain Sterling is a little different. I 
you know, respectfully, I could see them saying like um, Corey versus uh, someone like Jose Aldo or the winner of Dominic Cruz, Casey Kenny coming up, something like that. Um, just because it's hard. It was still so one-sided that loss to Aljamain Sterling. So I feel like he still needs one more to really become that 1B to Aljamain's 1A if Aljo were to win. But to me, it's um, if Pewter wins, I don't see Corey Sanhagen waiting for anybody else. I've, I know TJ Dillashaw is out there and if they're turning guys around quick, I think that you can't take that fight i think that make tj fight you for the belt make it big um tj dillashaw for for my money rob font who just beat marlon marais i think that's great if you want to build up tj and tj versus aljo tj versus Corey or pewter um all that's great i think you can make that happen a lot you could turn that a lot of different ways but for Corey sanhagen um really i think that pewter Jan is target number one Maybe TJ Dillashaw if Aljo wins and see what they do with the other guys at 135. But for me, it's either Pewter or TJ. Um, Pewter for the belt, TJ if Aljo wins. Just plain and simple. Yeah. And then if he beats TJ, man, I'm ready. Run it back. Aljo, Sanhagen too. Yeah, that's that's yeah, it's a great setup, right? Because because of how Sanhagen lost to Aljermaine. Um, Dillashaw obviously still and um, still a big name, but how meaningful is he to this division? How meaningful should he be? Right, like he served his time. Okay, so maybe just let him back in and go. But how how high up there should he be slotted in as far as competition goes? Um, it would be an exciting fight with Sanhagen. Uh, part of me just struggles with like, does he deserve to get? to be slotted in that high up shouldn't he have to work his way up a little i think he has to have one fight personally i i get it he'd never lost the belt he was on a great run the way he lost it uh it's a bad look the uh, you know and yeah. i'm never gonna you know like overlook that i'll address it the way it is but uh, what i will say is that he comes out there he put he puts you know he gives somebody the business puts it on somebody Okay, you know, look, you're going to keep testing him. It is what it is. He served his suspension. Let's put him back in. But I will say this. I'm hearing the whole TJ immediate title shot. I personally need to see him fight somebody else first. I feel like, you know, he's kind of coming in almost Rocky Balboa after two years away. you got several guys in there putting in work since he's been gone. So, yeah, I, I want to see TJ fight someone else. And I'm not entirely convinced it should be Corey. If Corey can get another fight, like a, the Dude, title fight, yeah, don't 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 besmirch the name of Rocky Balboa. Come on now, <laughs> with TJ Dillashaw. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't think of another guy from a boxing movie right off the top of my head. <laughs> Fictional, not like a I don't biopic. Think, I don't think Rocky ever did EPO. Come on now. But anyway, yes, I'm but he I'm got pulled out this randomly to fight Apollo Creed. Not anyway. Yeah, I digress. <laughs> Uh, I'm with you though I want to see one more fight before I say TJ Dillashaw come after the throne again yeah um Natalie just good stuff uh Benil Dariush just the Iron Man of the division got another win he beat a surging guy in Diego Ferreira that was a good one Clay Guida probably drinking from the fountain of youth signed a new contract got another victory and I'm like this man is going to be the Tom Brady of MMA. He's oh just going to keep fighting forever. We're going to think he's retiring and he's just going to sign a new contract and get in there again. I just Tom Brady says he's coming back too. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> I love the commercial with Gronk and T-Mobile. I was like, you know what? There you go. Just two buddies making each other money. I'm all for it. <laughs> I haven't seen that, man. I'll have to check it out. But uh, uh, T-Mobile, it was... YouTube, it's worth it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, congrats uh, Tom, Tom Brady, Brady. Though, just real quick like I know I was talking shit about him last week but I, what are you going to say I mean there's nothing bad to say anymore the guy's probably the greatest quarterback ever he has seven Super Bowl wins the Patriots have six as a team the Green Bay Packers have six as a team this guy alone has seven I mean he's outperformed know. every organization in the NFL now bro he's he, just 
he, he stepped up, uh, Gronk and Brown stepped up. And yeah. uh, I, I'll say this. I feel like um, the Chiefs defense let down Mahomes. Feel like they just they kept. I feel like they were getting a dang flag every play, and I'm like, bruh. I, I don't know. I'm not gonna pretend I'm a football guy, but I was like, you could tell that he did not have the help he needed last night, and yeah, I felt bad because he's a young, he's a talented guy, and he was probably like, what, what are you guys doing? Yeah, I know we're better than this. What's happening? But look, you know. You play the game, and whoever wins, wins. So congrats, Brady, and the Bucks. Yeah, go for it. Uh, let's talk about Friday night, shall we? Knucklemania. Yes, um, by the way, if you don't, if you haven't kept up with Chris Lieben since he left UFC, let me just tell you something. Go read one of my interviews. Go learn about him. That man is just, this is his thing, and it's his life, and it was beautiful to see him get the win close to the co-main event and you know just sleep somebody i want to give him his credit before we get into page van sant and i'm gonna let you have it because i know you were excited <laughs> <laughs> i was very excited you know um let me just start with this thing why do the, why does the a side wear blue and the b side wear red it's so petty for me to even bring it up but i'm just curious why they do it that way i don't know if you know in any case so because uh they, they don't want to get flack for why is van zant not the first one on the poster <laughs> but it was um, very clear yes i agree yes yes <laughs> um damn okay so you know first round you could say okay she's got a little bit of nerves um britain hart from what I, you know, I didn't get to watch a lot of her fights. I saw her fight against Beck Rawlings and BKFC. Her jab was terrible. She was like flinging it out sideways. The wrist was uh, was bent. So she's obviously improved a lot. She's had some finishes in the in the BKFC ring. Um, but you know, as as for as big a name as Paige VanZant is, and and whatever fun and impressive victory she's had in the UFC, namely that switch kick against Beck Rawlings, she's known for her toughness, for her grit. She says she's known for her striking. I kind of beg to differ. Um, I never thought her striking was great, especially her hands. In any case, I felt like I said last week she's at ATT. They're training, I assumed, specifically for a a bare-knuckle fight. Um, And so maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but it didn't look like it. It It didn't look like it. It looked like she still needed some time to get used to this style of fighting. It seemed like she was a little bit stunned at the beginning, maybe... Uh, wasn't expecting the punches to feel the way they did against her face. Maybe didn't expect Britton Hart to be fight as aggressively as she did in the clinch. She just demolished her in the clinch, punching her body up. Um, the stats on that were very odd. At the end of the fight, they showed that Britton Hart landed 10 body shots. I mean, maybe in, in one round. I mean, she was just hitting her in the body a lot. In any case, I, I sort of um, thought maybe the second round you could have given to Paige, maybe. But mostly I saw it as her, as Britton Hart winning the first four rounds. I thought in the fifth, Paige finally realized, figured out how to fight bare knuckle, at least against Britton Hart. She looked a lot better. She was swinging back and forth, swinging uh, back against uh, Britton Hart. Um, she looked like the Paige we wanted to see from the beginning. But it was a little bit too little too late. Now, what she did do was knock Britton Hart's teeth loose. Like, I think all the front teeth in, in her front row of her mouth were not not knocked out but loose so that's something that's a trophy there but it's okay she got, she, yeah. britain will regrow them like a shark right yeah i regrow them <laughs> uh so it was disappointing for her but i wasn't really that disappointed i wanted to see her look impressive didn't see it but i saw the heart at the end i saw the potential for the next bkfc fight she signed a multi-year multi-fight contract so we'll see her again she told her husband in the locker room, I don't want to fight ever again. And then she writes an Instagram, but I knew that that wasn't true. This is what I love. And so you'll see me soon. Um, and, and I'm glad for that, but I wonder, you know, what Dave Feldman BKFC feels about it all. It's a fight game. You never know. Um, so not the performance everyone hoped to see, but maybe the performance some expected to see, because it is very different, man. Like, Punching with no gloves is really different, not only for your hands, but for your face. Um, <laughs> how did you see it? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to compete with your passionate 
breakdown of this fight, I'll tell you that. Uh, I thought that Britain, uh, I'll say it, the experience in there and just pure boxing, I think really, um, I'll say it. I looked at Britain's record and I'm like, come on now. I mean, look, I, I don't judge people, but like that record did not scream to me as this woman is going to get the job done against their half a million, if we're if the numbers are to be believed, kind of woman now in Paige Van Zandt. And I was, I'll say this, you know what? Good for you. You mm-hmm. went out there. She just got it. She made it ugly. She got in her face. I thought Paige looked a little just shocked out there. I think she yeah. felt like she couldn't figure. I think she expected Britain to just make a lot more mistakes. And really, Britain just got out there and got after it. And I think that Paige... Uh, look, she's a taller, she's um athletically gifted. What I will say, though, is that um she's not necessarily hand speed blindingly fast. Like, look at Alexa Grasso, someone like that. That is yeah. someone with sharp hands. Um, Paige has never been that person. And I've actually argued that while her biggest victory is the switch kick knockout, Paige is probably at her best when she's on top with ground and pound and yeah. using her size and her grappling. She does not have that. That being said, she trains boxing like every other fighter does. Probably the most. Uh, it all starts with the hands. I don't know any fighter who probably does more wrestling workouts than they do boxing workouts. Just because you want to be able to defend a knockout so you could grapple, right? Mm-hmm. So everything I felt like we knew about Paige's acumen would be that she'd be able to handle someone with the record of Britain Hart. Obviously, this is why they fight the fights, and I'm not going to go over it again. Just Britain absolutely put it on her. Paige picked it up in the fifth round. was already too little too late um, by that point. Uh, what I will say is, um, for one, I think that uh, that whole post-fight event, I'm not going to call it an interview, just that whole post-fight sequence, that was <laughs> quite an experience from that speech and... You know, I I am also, I will tell you right now, Natalie, I don't think I'm a person either. I do believe I'm an effing feeling. (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. I like that. that. Speak to my soul. Yeah, Drake might have said it first, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, And then the whole, the other bare knuckle girl who clearly didn't have, was looking for... As apparently she fights bare knuckle too and was looking for her moment and congratulations you got it but, I mean, but um, did she i felt like i was watching nxt all of a sudden uh i was like what, what was with the pageant queen she confronted afterward i was oh. like this is some wwe stuff yeah <laughs> Very bizarre. you know um uh for page and we talked about this a little bit what does bare knuckle do it's already tough when you're saying it's pay-per-view it's 40 plus dollars depending on you know i feel like they tend to max out at 40 right yeah um if you wouldn't have paid 40 dollars to watch page in ufc are you paying 40 to watch your bare knuckle when you think about you probably just paid 70 for connor two weeks ago you're mm-hmm. probably gonna pay just watch the adesanya triple header in about a month and now page is lost yes she's gonna go back out there and fight and people are always going to be interested to see whether she wins or loses but i felt like in terms of selling another pay-per-view with Paige, i'm not sure i can see that after that one on friday i just um you know bring back artem lobov do something stack the card a bit maybe but i think Paige carrying a show I'll be honest, that that probably is going to be a tough sell. I don't know if Dave Feldman and the team can do that just on that fight in particular. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, I think she kind of screwed the pooch there as far as future uh, potential earnings with uh, for BKFC's pay-per-views. They're probably not going to be able to use her name as, you know, as strongly the as they thing. did. Yeah, it's going to have to be backed up with, as you said, like Artem Lobov or somebody like that. And then as far as the matchup goes, the only way I think it will get more eyeballs than it will at this moment if she were to have been another pay-per-view like right now is if it's like bad blood with someone else that does MMA um, that's willing to try BKFC or not bad blood, you know, because they know each other, but because it's another MMA person coming to say, 
hey, man, I'm going to show you how it's done when you go to BKFC. Um, because otherwise, like, who else is fighting there that you could you could build up another fight with Paige Van Zandt? I got um, it. Some random chick jumps in the cage, yells <laughs> at um, Austin after he wins a fight, oh, talks okay. some crap to Paige, yeah. and says, do something about it. Next thing you know, BKFC, Knuckle Mania yeah. 23. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got to be something. That's because... the only way you could sell that because, you know, let's be honest. It, it was a tough sell going into Friday. Super Bowl weekend. It was always going to be a tough one. Uphill battle. Yeah, yeah. So they got to they got to get clever now because she uh, she hurt them a little bit. But it's OK. That's the fight game. What do you think about reports? She says she made like 40. Essentially, it's in the half a million ballpark, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but it's about half a million per fight for Paige. What do you think about that? Oh, wow. I totally misread that. I thought she was making I thought her deal was for half a million because she was saying uh, 40 UFC was 40 to show 40 to win. And she's making 10 times that. If she's doing that, I thought I thought she meant as her as her, her whole entire deal. If she's doing that per fight, I mean, and, and, and if there's not a clause where they can cancel the contract if she loses the first fight, um, I mean, cha-ching, good for her. I mean, and I got to think I'd, it's like a twice a year kind of deal, but, you know, I, I got to imagine, you know, she did not do that for like a quarter of a million when she could have gotten paid somewhere else, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot of money, bro. And even when you, when you cut everyone's pie, slice of pie out, um, and even after taxes, like that's a good chunk of change. She walked away relatively unscathed, you know, just a black eye. Yeah. Physically it's okay. You know, psychologically it was a blow, but now she's got the experience and good experience because she was against probably one of the more game fighters, uh, in BKFC. That's great, um, data to have in your computer. Now go back and use that. And, and properly train bare knuckle. I don't think that they did. I think they were doing boxing just based on how she looked. When you think about how Beck Rawlings came out with that beautiful defense, she did it perfectly. This requires some more fine-tuning uh, for Paige Van Zandt. I mean, I, I'll say this. Uh, looking forward to how they pitch this one next. But um, look, life ain't that bad when you're getting paid. I know it hurt, and no one likes losing. But you know what? I can buy a few things to the paycheck like that, and I'll feel a lot better sooner or later. A lot of quarter pounders with cheese. Sooner or later, I'll feel better when I cash that check, right? Yep. Um, Let's talk, uh, you know what? I'll just call it gossip, but um, this one came out. Charles Oliveira turned down a fight with Michael Chandler, and it would have happened this Saturday. So coming up on the undercard of Usman Burns. Um, I will say this, I felt like it looked like they were trying to bolster the card because they lost uh, the Weidman fight, right? Mm -hmm. So um, to me, when I heard that, I was like, "Mm, not that it wouldn't be a good fight, but would Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler have really upped the pay-per-view numbers on this one? I wasn't sold on that, but I do think that it is very telling that the UFC would make a play like that if it meant, uh, you know, considering everything that's going on in the lightweight division. So I want to toss it to you. What are your thoughts and just um, what do you think that means for what we could see going forward at 155? I'm very surprised by that. And and did Michael Chandler indicate that he was receptive to doing this? He said he was down. He said that, um, you know, he was still in shape. I think he said he went back to Florida, not Nashville at first. So he said he was up for it. I mean, he's fresh as a daisy. He probably hurt himself more doing the backflip than uh, in the fight. So, damn, I'm surprised that he was willing. But good on him. That, you know, maybe a little bit of overconfidence, though, because Charles Oliveira is no joke. You kind of maybe would want some time to prepare for him. But, um Interesting that Oliveira turned it down when there is so much hype behind Michael Chandler. He performed beautifully. He made um, a great impression after with his post-fight interview. He did the backflip. I mean, that was the photo that you were seeing everywhere after the um, pay-per-view. Now, he didn't end up in a Super Bowl commercial, (laughs) 
uh, with Dustin Poirier punching the lights out like Dustin Poirier did, punching the lights out of Conor McGregor. Kind of embarrassing uh, as a side note there. I'll, I'll throw that in. That It's kind of embarrassing for McGregor that that was a Super Bowl commercial. But, um, yeah, I'm surprised that, uh, that Charles Oliveira didn't want to do it because it's like, a you know, you win points with the UFC, you get to fight this guy who's on fire, and it's not going to hurt you. Really, it's not going to hurt you because, you know, the UFC always rewards you for stepping up last minute. Um, but more than anything, I'm kind of surprised that, that um, the UFC felt they needed this. I mean, uh, I'll say this. I'm not surprised because I think Charles, until you tell me, until I have the powers that be say, Charles, Connor's fighting Dustin. It's not going to happen. Until that happens, I'm not just jumping at the first thing they throw at me. I think that that's, I think Charles put in too much work to just do that. I'll say it that way. Um, I do think that this, if they're willing to make the play, I'll say this. If they're willing to burn one of them that fast for the sake of the card, I think that all that says is that they are probably more chips in on a trilogy with Connor and Dustin. Um, and and I have my thoughts on that, and we're not going to re- rehash that. But you and I were both that you know there are other fights that we think make more sense and that we want to see more. So I I think that um I would be worried if I'm Chandler and Oliveira because I feel like that means that we're about to run it back again, even though that fight was pretty decisive with Dustin and Connor. But yeah. um. You know, I feel like that's the writing on the wall we needed to see. I think if they were really honestly super invested in one of those guys fighting Dustin, they would not have just been like, hey, we're putting this together short notice. You want it? So Yeah, good point, man. Yeah, but um, is what it is. Uh, obviously, you know, as they announce stuff, guys are going to take fights. Charles will get in there, Chandler, Gaethje, and they'll figure that out, but... To me, that's a sign that there are serious legs under a Connor Dustin trilogy, plain and simple. And obviously, they're kind of trying to get each other paid and agreeing to the fight on Twitter. So, uh, good stuff. I think that, uh, I don't know. When do you think we'll find out about whether or not they're doing the trilogy? April? Uh, no, I guess maybe March. Maybe they'll want to announce it during one of the pay per views. There's two, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see March mm-hmm. being uh, being when they look. It, they should make a big splash out of it. I'm not actually too keen on seeing it. I'd like to see Poirier move on with his life um, and face somebody else. But I get it, and of course I'll be excited to see if Connor can redeem himself. So I think March that makes sense to me. I think they should try to announce it on the um, Adesanya pay per view. I think that, like, that's a big fight. I would argue that's the biggest fight until whatever we get on 4th of July. I don't think they're going to hit us with something out of left field that's going to blow us away in April or May by this point. So I think that that's... I would like that to be where they finally give us a definitive answer, you know? Yeah, okay. But yeah, I think that'll be, you know, something to watch as the weeks move on and, you know, we roll through from winter to spring. Um, you know what? May Ocho. May 8th. Two <laughs> legends will meet. One will win. Both are likely done. Diego Sanchez, Cowboy Cerrone. It's not a loser leaves town. It's we're riding off into the sunset together. What are your thoughts when they announced it? It's a fun fight. I'm happy for both of these guys. I think they're going to leave it all in the octagon. Um, it bums me out a little bit more if this is what you say it is or if that's what the talk is, that it's you know off into the sunset. Not for Diego Sanchez. I think that's fine. That's fair. It's a fine time to, to hang him up. Cowboys had, obviously, you know, he had that great run, and then it just quickly you know, fell off the cliff. But I, it makes sense, though, because if you just think about it, like we always talk about the top five at 155. But if you look further than that, it's just a bunch of hungry guys, young, hungry guys. I think Cowboy may have may have trouble. Maybe he'll get another win there, here and there, but it's he'll, he'll never be able to climb his way back to the top. So um, it just bums me out 
that that he's uh, you know he's at this time in his career. But it gets it comes for everyone, uh, whether you're a fighter or not. And um, as far as the fight goes, I think they're gonna give it to us, man. Two old school fighters, both can grapple, both can strike, both love to do both, and they're good at both. They're not boring fighters ever. And, uh, you know, I think it's a really, really strong matchup. Are you, uh, are you all in or not so much? I think this is one of the rare times you actually have two guys retiring that you're actually excited about. You know what? I'm down for this. I, I want to see what happens because we know Diego. We know Cowboy. We know that, you know, it's, okay, you're a Rocky Balboa fan. Remember, like, Rocky Six, Rocky Balboa, where they, you know, they made him fight the one new guy as he was older, and they talk about you got to get it out, you know, that the beast has to be gone from your, your spirit and your system. You got you to gotta let him go. You got to get him out in the fight. That's what this is to Diego and the cowboy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't think of any other way to cut it. I think that, um... I'm not of the thinking that, oh, you know, I don't want them to fight each other because then who do I root for? This is a perfectly acceptable time to just root for both guys. I mean, it's nothing to get invested in. Just enjoy the show. Let them release that competitive fire they have and, you know, move on from... Look, they've done so much. I mean, Cowboy's done a lot. Diego, the original ultimate fighter somehow is still standing every single guy on that cast is now retired and he's still out here you know booking fights and getting in there with guys like Kiesa and others so you know Michelle Pereira I mean look at that guy look at that athletic beast and Diego Sanchez is still out here getting these yeah. fights so I think that um uh, just enjoy the show that's all I have to say about it. Well said, my friend. I'm not even going to add more. It's not time to the me. last part Enjoy of the, the show. show. Let's Uf- do, man. This Saturday, UFC 258, Usman versus Burns. Um, high stakes in the welterweight division. I'm going to save the main event for last. I'm going to start with the co-main event. The ladies are going to be on deck. Macy Barber makes a comeback, taking on Alexa Grasso. You know, Natalie, I feel like um, this is a very pivotal fight. More so for Alexa than for Macy. I think that Macy, regardless, um, she'll still have uh, a lot to work with. But I think that when I look at Alexa Grasso, when you look at her record and we think about her career, she's fought some resurgent girls. I mean, Tatiana Suarez, you can make the argument she's up there in the division. Carla Esparza, you know, possible title shot, you know, with everything going on. And, you know, Alexa just kind of got fed to these girls at a time when they were on the upswing. But she's alternated those wins and losses. And you kind of feel like at 27, 28 that it's like, you know, is she gonna start putting them together? Or are we gonna see just like, you know, just a inability to get there and I know that's tough to say for someone her age but I think that this is one of those stylistic matchups she's I believe um even though they have similar fights I think she just has a lot more cage time experience than Macy I think she's just got more training in overall in terms of the years than Macy and you know it just is going to come down to the fact that it's like look you know can you put it together against this you know similarly built probably more explosive and powerful athlete in Macy Barber for Alexa Grasso and stylistically you know it could go to the mat but I actually think both of these women got the power to put each other down too what are your thoughts Alexa Grasso is such a great boxer right yeah. Hey, how about BKFC if she if this doesn't work out for her? But in any case, I cannot see that woman fighting BKFC. No, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. She is. I. You know what? Uh, you know what? I don't want to. I almost said it. She's too nice. But I'm like, I don't, look. If they're getting her paid, don't let me get in your way, Alexa. But I right? just. Uh, I don't know how else to explain it. I feel like Paige has the disposition to be a bare knuckle fighter. I don't think Alexa does. You're right though, because think about their fights. 
page, win or lose, is always in there, like, grinding it out, fighting till the end. She doesn't quit. She, you, like, you keep knocking her down, she'll get back up. Bloody face, think of the Rose Alma Yunus fight. Her face is covered in blood. Alexa Grasso has excellent boxing. Excellent boxing. Footwork, striking, uh, you know, jab, right cross. But her killer instinct is just so hit or miss. It's inconsistent and it's so frustrating because it's inconsistent from fight to fight and it's inconsistent from round to round, even within a round sometimes. And so I don't know what that is. It's it's got to be something in the in the mind. Maybe she gets distracted, loses concentration. Maybe she's overthinking her her skill set, her opponent. I don't I'm know. Gonna gi- I'm gonna give her some credit. Remember, she's also fought two tough wrestlers. That'll take the air out of you. Yeah, out of a lot of people, especially she's so big. Yeah, you know, is a is like tall, right? Um, so, but I'm still a big fan of hers. Mexican boxing, Mexican boxer, her Irene Aldana, I love them. But you saw what happened to Irene Aldana against Holly Holm, who's a new and improved version of herself. And so then you look at Macy Barber. I kind of think of her as wild, um, in a controlled way, but but just she's got the aggression, she's got the killer instinct. She'll charge in there no matter what, to her detriment or not. Um, and she's got a lot to prove. She's hungry. She's raring at the bit, right? Because she's been off for so long. So I think she's going to pressure Alexa Grasso a lot. I, I think it's on Alexa to use that fine, beautiful boxing, her footwork, her head movement. She usually goes backwards. She's got to work on circling out to her right and to her left to really take advantage of her own skill set and fire back those shots. Um, because if not, I think she could just get overwhelmed by Macy Barber. I think Alexa Grasso is the better fighter, but Macy Barber's just got that that it factor, you know, when it comes to to grinding out a fight in, in MMA, um, similar to, to Paige Van Zandt, um, like spirit-wise. You know, they're like each other's spirit animals in a sense, except, except Macy talks tough on the mic. Paige Van Zandt is, you know, sweet and stuff. So all that is to say... I'm not sure who's going to win, but I, I, I do think it's going to be Alexa staying composed, but never putting taking her finger off the, her foot off the gas pedal. Because if she gives Macy Barber an inch, she'll get rolled over. Um, and so that's, that's a big challenge for her. I, I really do hope that she can rise to the occasion here. I mean, co-main event. Like, I'm looking at Calvin Gastelum and thinking, why doesn't he have the co-main event? Uh, I think it's because the UFC really loves Macy Barber and they want to give her that platform. But it did surprise me. I don't know if, if uh, it surprised you at all. You know what? Uh, slightly, but I think that um, in this particular card, I really just... Uh, I don't think it really was going to make that much of a difference on this one. I felt like they have a very balanced group of fights underneath them. And, and look, I, I'll say this, like... When we break down these fights, I get it. It's not a Conor McGregor mega card. It's not a championship triple header. It's just not one of those events. Not all of them are. So I'm not going to lie to you and like build it up like it is one of those. What instead you have, you just kind of like the fight night. You just got a lot of good storylines and you got a lot of solid work by the guys coming in. If not the biggest star power and, you know, you don't have, you know, a bunch of title eliminators building up the card so uh, i'll admit that but um no i'm not surprised for the ladies i think that they have a very good platform i think that especially for alexa she's been in enough fights by now that i think that you know the occasion i think she'll live up to it to me it's all about the uh, execution i mean if macy barber starts wrestling her i think that could be a real key but every time i cut it it's more about alexa like has she improved the takedown defense since those fights? Has she improved it enough? And then in the stand-up, can she get in there and really just put it together against a powerful young athlete like Macy? I think that, you know, the records aren't too far off, but I do feel like Alexa has all the tools for that. That being said, you know, like, I like Macy's approach. I think that people like to get on her a little bit because... She almost blatantly plays into the UFC system, right? She goes mm-hmm. out there and she calls her shot unapologetically. And people are like, you're 21, calm down, kid, and, you know. 
No, I, I think that, you know, she's doing her thing. She knows how the fight game works and it can be a quick ride. So I don't have a problem with it. I think for me, it's about how does she look coming off the knee injury? She's with a new team. I think that um, if she is struggling to get hands on Alexa, can she grapple? Can she get the fight down? Because otherwise, 15 minutes, this really plays into Alexa Grasso's game. And it could be a long night for Macy if she's unable to get in there and get those offense going. She's very powerful, but she's not necessarily lights out in one discipline. She doesn't have this lights out boxing. She doesn't have this consistent, always going to get you down wrestling. I think she does a lot of good things well. A lot of the, you know, very core things very well. But she doesn't have that, oh, you can't stand with her. You can't grapple with her. She doesn't have that skill. I think it's more on her power and her speed at this stage of her development she could have grown a lot since that fight with Roxanne Motoferi but we haven't seen it yet to prove it um predictions I I am thinking about it and this one is the one I'll be honest I'm most on the fence about <sighs> I'm gotta say though every time I think about it I feel like Alexa's got the right sauce. I think that, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Mexico is further south than Louisiana, but I just <laughs> think that um, I just think Alexa is gonna get just keep Macy at the end of those punches. I think she's just going to be able to outwork her and make her kind of panic shoot in the wrestling, if that makes sense. Um and I just think she's got the experience. I think she's got the size and experience to deal with Macy. How do you think it ends? Or decision? Unanimous decision, yeah. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. Alexa Grasso, unanimous decision. Uh, I'm Like I said, I'm worried about Macy Barber's big energy and, and the her desire to prove herself, to live up to the co-main event position. And that, you know, she might overwhelm Alexa Grasso, but I think Grasso does still have the better overall skill set. It's just more refined. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think she'll be able to outpoint her and stave off any really vicious, like, uh, overly aggressive attack from Macy Barber. Let's talk about this main event. Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns. Uh, I'll say it, like... And this is part of this event, and I think that if you look at it, I get it. The Usman-Covington fight, that was such a big fight and long anticipated. Obviously, Usman-Vazvidal was a big deal. When you're coming off those two, it's hard for a lot of these matchups to get you as pumped up, right? So I understand that like the Gilbert Burns fight feels like, you know, yeah, he's good, but come on now, you know, after he beat Masvidal and Colby... I think stylistically Burns has just as many weapons as the other two. I think when you talk about his output and I think when you talk about his cardio, what he did to Damian Maya, what he did to Tyron Woodley, I think that Gilbert presents a lot of problems for Kamar Usman. The one thing I love about Usman is by this stage of the game, he knows he's kind of just coming to his own as a champion. He knows what he has to do. He's looking to try to get better. And um, uh, physically, he's got, I think they said, six, in six inches of reach on Burns. That is significant wow. when you think about, you know, uh, he's going to want to keep Burns at bay at the end of his punches. When you think about just getting a little bit closer to tie him up and use his wrestling, I love all of those attributes for Usman. And I think that when you put them in there stylistically, you got a similar fight like the Colby fight in that, you know, these guys could stand and bang even though they're great grapplers because they feel like they can execute their game plan on the feet. They've been so effective at it in recent, you know, just the last year or so. So I like this fight. I think that it's very close on paper. It's really going to come down to can Burns put it together against a guy who's been so consistent in Kamaru. And if you're Kamaru, you kind of got to prove just are you that head and shoulders above the competition? Because I think that if he's taking this lightly at all, 
I think Burns can really put on the gas and just start to run away with it in close in a close fight. And they both have the power to really do damage if they start landing direct hits too. Yeah, the power is what I keep thinking of. Like Burns, like Kamara's strong, great striker, and you point out the reach difference, advantage that he's got there. But Burns, when you think about those those fights that he's won with a knockout or TKO, like man, they don't even sometimes they don't even look that hard, and they look like they're just right at the end of his of his fist. You know, I think that's going to be the difference maker um, from my perspective. That's how I see it. Uh, Burns. They're similar. Kamar Usman is is very diverse. He's so determined, and he's you know he finished Colby Covington. He completely neutralized Tyron Woodley. But I think Gilbert Burns is just a fresher, faster fighter, and uh, I think he's actually going to be able to hurt him with his hands. We'll see how much they grapple. I think since they both know that that's a threat, you know, I guess. You know, Gilbert has the advantage there, um, but I think it's gonna—it's mostly gonna be stand its feet, similar to to Colby and and Kamaru. Um, and I think even with Kamaru's power and reach advantage, I think Gilbert Burns just has that extra oomph in his punches. I think he's gonna be faster with the cutting angles, bobbing, weaving, getting around the the outstretched arm of Kamaru. And landing that punch right on the right on the button. So, I'm gonna go ahead and just rush into predictions here and say that I think uh, Gilbert Burns is gonna finish Kamar Usman in round three. TKO. Ooh. TKO. Okay. All right. You know what? Ah. To me, I think that Kamaru does not get the credit for just how consistent he is. I think that um. You know, the Colby fight notwithstanding, you're talking about a guy who, on short notice, really made adjustments well against Masvidal, who really went mm-hmm. out there with nothing to lose and started doing his thing. I think the thing to me is that when I look at Gilbert, I think that he has a game that just plays well into the strengths of Kamaru. Yes, it, it is very tough and all that, and if he starts getting away with it with the volume... Um, he could really get him similar to Woodley, but I also feel like Kamaru's with the team right now that, you know, there will not be that lack of urgency if he needs it. And I do think that he will get himself into that next gear if he really needs that to defend that title. So I think that at the end of the day, I believe in Kamaru's boxing and his ability yeah. to defend and keep up with the speed and everything that Gilbert's got going on. I think in the grappling and um, you know what? Uh, once again, Kamaru's a big athlete for 170. I think that, you know, look, not that Gilbert hasn't come into his own and performed well, but I just feel like it's going to be a tough one for Gilbert to get him out of there, uh, personally speaking. So I'm going to say Kamaru Usman... I, it's tough because it always goes five rounds, but I'm going to just say it. Unanimous decision. I think that he's going to be just ahead in the exchanges, and I think the reach. I think that he's just going to, over time, kind of wear down Gilbert Burns, and he's going to get the job done. Okay. All right. We're on opposite sides here. I know. But, we're uh, fighting again. I think it's going to be a good fight. Right? Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. But, um, I mean, there we have it. Obviously, next week we'll recap everything. You know, the finishes, the news, and everything else in between. And, of course, Natalie, next week the heavyweights are back on deck. Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis, we touched on it at the beginning of the show. Just what are you looking forward to for that fight before we get into it on the next show? Uh, Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis? Yeah. Um, yeah. I look, I'm going to just say what I always say for heavyweight fights. I just want these guys to knock each other out when it comes to the heavyweights. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Derek Lewis to come in there and go beast on Curtis Blades or vice versa. Um, so I just want a good heavyweight fight. It doesn't have to finish in, you know, 30 seconds. I just want a good back and forth. I don't want a stalemate. I hate heavyweight stalemate fights. Just can't stand them. And uh, I hope these guys show up to deliver. I mean, look, we've been talking about the heavyweight division a lot. We know there's a lot of, like, you know, 
there's a lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of positions that are ripe for the picking, you know, positions close to the title shot. So uh, unless you're not paying attention, you know that you have to go in there and, and make an impression. Now, these guys are – everyone knows these guys, what they can do, but uh, they have to uh, make a highlight reel. They have to make it to the highlight reels, that's for sure. You know what? I mean, I feel like this is such a long time coming that it's like I just want them to get to the other side of it already. Um, It, it could go either way. Curtis Blades could wrestle them a lot. They both have heavy hands. I don't think we're going to see those implemented much. Um, Derek Lewis's ability to kind of just freakishly get up off the ground just randomly. That's like the X factor. Can you do it against, I'll say, the premier take grappler? just wrestler in the heavyweight division right now um yeah i don't know and i think that's what makes it fun but um you know heavy hands heavy hitters just two of the bigger guys if i'm saying it bluntly in the heavyweight division so there's a lot of good stuff to enjoy about that fight so and then with the division everything going on i'm ready it's time bruce buffer get him in there let's do this but yeah (laughs) natalie we'll be back next week guys i hope you enjoyed the show take care enjoy the fights and have a good one